to this podcast for St. Peter's Church Greenhill as we seek to become loving, witnessing and growing people. Thank you. Let us pray. May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, Norman's streaming this service for people in Germany who can't come to the, um, to the baptism and I'm streaming just the sermon for all the various people in previous parishes, because I keep leaving parishes, you may have noticed. Um, so I'm just going to go live on Facebook here. But don't worry, unless you come out to the front, you won't be on camera. And I'll stop it after the sermon. Um, so a person uh, comes to Jesus and calls Jesus teacher. And that seems innocent enough and a good start to a conversation that you might have with Jesus. But if you're really, really good at reading the Gospels, um, those are the stories of Jesus' life in, in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. If you're good at reading the Gospels and if you're good at paying really close attention to the details, then you might spot that calling Jesus teacher is not actually a very good thing to do. Now, many people call Jesus lots of different things. Some people call out on the name of Jesus when they trip over the vacuum cleaner in the pitch black, having got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. Um, Jesus Christ, they say, as they go tumbling over um, in a kind of swear word, using the Lord's name in vain sort of way. Some people call Jesus a wise man. Jesus is a really wise man, but not much more than that. Some people say Jesus is just a story. It's all made up. Some people say Jesus is the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, begotten, not created. I would say that. Some people just say it's just a load of made-up nonsense. The person in our reading this morning calls Jesus teacher. The disciples called Jesus teacher, but they only called Jesus teacher once. Most of the time, as you read through the Gospels, it was the Pharisees who called Jesus teacher. Also the lawyers, also the temple leaders, also the Sadducees. Basically, anyone who was offended by Jesus called Jesus teacher. And anyone who offended Jesus, if it's possible to offend Jesus, and I'm not sure that it is, they were the ones who called Jesus teacher. It's all those who were confident in who they were. All the people who believed that they were doing just fine. All the people who didn't really feel poor, who didn't really feel in any kind of need, who didn't feel like they need to be saved, who felt, we're doing just fine, thank you very much. We don't need any help over here. It was that group that called Jesus teacher. So this person goes up to Jesus in our gospel reading this morning and this person says, teacher, and then tells Jesus to do something. Doesn't ask, tells. And the person tells Jesus to settle a legal dispute. Now, in one sense, that wasn't unusual because at the time, religious leaders were sometimes called upon to make a ruling in a legal dispute. 
And it seems that this particular person has an older brother and someone's died and there's an inheritance and money has changed hands and the older brother is not willing to share the money evenly with his sibling, this person in our story. Um, it's a tale as old as time and probably still happens today as well. And so this person goes up to Jesus, says, Teacher, can you do this for me? I'd like some justice. I'd like what's rightfully mine. I wonder who you think Jesus is this morning. I wonder who Jesus is to you. And I wonder what you would call Jesus this morning. Would you call Jesus a figment of someone's imagination? Would you call Jesus a really wise person and if we all lived a bit more like Jesus, the world would be a better place? Would you call Jesus a prophet or a peacemaker or a friend, or my saviour, would you call Jesus the divine son of God? And I wonder this morning if you want to tell Jesus to do something, or perhaps you'd like to ask Jesus to do something for you. I want to hold on to those questions. Who is Jesus for you this morning, and what do you want to tell or ask Jesus? Hold those thoughts, and we'll go a bit deeper into the reading that we've had. Everyone lives for something, but not everyone lives for the right thing. And normally in this life, um, that truth slips by people, largely unquestioned. But on occasions, sometimes sadly when it's too late, people do sometimes stop to think about the purpose of life. Um, I covered a funeral this uh, Friday for the folks up at Wadsley Church. They have a curate there, a trainee vicar called Jordan, who some of you will know because he, him and his wife Al used to worship here. Um, but covering that funeral, that moment when someone dies, we often ask the question, what's life all about? What is the purpose and meaning of life? What am I doing here? What's my reason for being alive? And today we have a christening or a baptism, the words mean the same thing, um, to mark a new life mark the new life of Leo, um, but also to place Leo in the care of God, acknowledging that Leo's place is in God's family. That's a result of what God has done for Leo, not what Leo has done for God. And at the time of a birth, people do also sometimes think, I wonder what life is all about. Why am I here? What's the purpose and the reason for my existence? We sometimes get around to asking those great questions. Who am I? Whose am I? And why am I here? Because everybody lives for something, but not everybody lives for the right thing. And Jesus thinks that the person who's in our Bible reading this morning, this person who's come up to Jesus and called Jesus teacher, this person who's asked Jesus to, or told Jesus to do something for him, Jesus thinks that that person might be living for the wrong thing. When that person tells Jesus to sort out the inheritance dispute with his brother, Jesus says to him, listen, it's not my responsibility to judge this case. Which is amazing, because Jesus is the one who will one day judge the living and the dead. So why couldn't he have judged this little case here? Because that's not what's at the heart of the matter in that person's question or demand of Jesus. 
the person who goes to Jesus and calls him teacher is asking the wrong question, living for the wrong thing. And Jesus knows this because he knows what it is that is motivating that person. And to help that person see that they are living for the wrong thing, Jesus tells them a story or a parable, if you like. And it's a parable of someone who is also living for the wrong things in life. It's the parable of a landowner. And if you listen to that story carefully, then you might think, I'm not sure that landowner's done anything wrong. Because in the story, the landowner doesn't seem to be doing much wrong. In fact, we might want to commend that landowner in the story for being sensible and wise. Let's just recall the details of the story that Jesus told. This landowner has got plenty of land. He has a bumper crop one year, an amazing rich harvest. So much so that there's no space for him to store the surplus in his barns. So he pulls down his old barns, he builds some new bigger barns, he sticks the grain in there and thinks, brilliant, I am now sorted. I'm comfortable, I'm wealthy, I am secure, and everyone lives for something, and a lot of people live for security and for wealth and for not being afraid about what tomorrow might bring. In fact, the landowner even quotes the Bible, Holy Scriptures. He quotes Ecclesiastes 8, verse 15. He says, relax, eat, drink, be merry. This is fantastic. My life is sorted. I don't know if you heard on the radio this morning, um, but someone in America has bought a lottery ticket that they've not yet claimed, and they've won one billion pounds. Wow. Talk about uh, eat, drink, and be merry. That person might think, I can totally chill out now. Nothing that life can throw at me I have to worry about. Perhaps that's how the landowner in our story is feeling. And so he quotes Ecclesiastes, relax, eat, drink, be merry. Be very careful, by the way, if you quote the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a book of the Bible that asks the question, what is life all about? But the first word of that book of the Bible is the word meaningless or vanity. So it's not always the best book to go around quoting. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. So this landowner is uh, shaping up to be a sensible chap. He's got financial freedom. He's got security against what life throws at him. He's a self-made man. He can quote the Holy Scriptures. In fact, let's go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in Jesus' story. Let's make some assumptions. Let's assume that this Scripture-quoting landowner is a diligent observer of the Jewish law, and so he pays a tithe on all the crops that he's grown. He gives to the temple and to the churches to make sure that the poor are looked after because he's a proper, upright member of society. Let's assume that he observes the Jewish rule of gleaning in the Holy Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. There's a rule that you should let the poor take from the harvest at the edge of your crops. So those who are poor and needy get a little bit of respite from their poverty. So similar things happen in our world today. We call them food banks. It's a tragedy that we live in a society where we need food banks, but it's good that there are food banks that are there for those that need them. So let's imagine this landowner, self-made man, affluent, everything sorted out, 
pays his tithe, an upstanding member of society, lets the poor glean from the edges of the field. He's an eminently sensible person. He's probably not a bad bloke to know, um, and he's doing everything that he can. He's got it all sorted. He's even quoting the book of Ecclesiastes. He should relax, eat, drink, and be merry. He's living the good life because he's earned the good life. Well done him. What a winner in life. So hold that thought. Because one of the themes of Luke's Gospel, which is where our reading's from uh, today, is that time and again, it pictures Jesus helping, healing, and saving outright losers in life. In Luke's Gospel, it's the left-behinds who draw close to Jesus. It's the left-outs who find a place. It's those who see themselves as being a mess who Jesus spends time, time with. And we could go into loads of examples, but I want to give you the one standout example in Luke's Gospel. It's one that you might know. When Jesus was crucified, there were two criminals executed either side of Jesus. And one of these criminals says to Jesus, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but basically says to Jesus, Jesus, can you put in a good word for me? People say that to me often when they find out I'm a priest. Say one for me, Father. This guy who's dying at the side of Jesus says, Jesus, can you put in a good word for me? And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Now remember, this guy is the worst of society. And all he says to Jesus is, Jesus, remember me. It's hardly a bold affirmation of faith. I mean, was the guy even baptised? No, he wasn't, of course. But Jesus doesn't ask any questions. There's no entrance exam. It's not means tested. Jesus just says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus draws close to those who know they need help. So let's get back to the story that Jesus is telling the person who called him teacher. And this person who calls Jesus teacher says, Jesus, you've got to do this thing for me. And Jesus tells him the story of the landowner with a bumper crop. He pulled down his old barns. He's built some new barns. He can fit all the, ram all his crop and all his bountiful harvest into these bigger, nice new barns. It's this landowner who's financially secure, who's got it all sorted out, and he's a winner in life. Well, if you know Luke's gospel, you know what's going to happen next. Because Jesus draws close to losers, but Jesus really struggles with those who don't think they need saving. So what happens next, you might see coming. Because in Jesus' parable, the winning landowner drops debts. This landowner who's got everything sorted, drops debts, but not before he gets called a fool by God. And presumably, he realizes that he should have spent time not focusing on the things that had no eternal significance, because how much grain do you think you need in heaven? but should have sorted his priorities out. This landowner, this is the sermon in one sentence, so everyone, if you're drifting away, thinking this is a bit boring, pin back your lug holes here. The landowner thinks he can make himself secure and can save himself without gods. And that very thought means he can't. Jesus' parable is deep, but it isn't complicated. There is loads of good stuff in life. There's loads of stuff to be enjoyed. There's loads of stuff to be thankful for. There's loads of stuff 
to not take for granted. And I love all that stuff as much as you all love that stuff. Your stuff is a bit different from mine. Mine stuff is push bikes and fountain pens. Your stuff is probably something different. It's all right to love stuff and enjoy stuff and be thankful for stuff in life. But none of that stuff should be your reason for living. None of that stuff should be your ambition and your focus in life. And if we feel like we're self-made, if we mistakenly believe that where we are in life is through our hard work alone, if we're not ready to thank God for the fact that we were born with the good gifts that God has given us, if we think we've got it all sorted and we don't need God, then let me tell you, friends, you have never met my friend Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Saviour, who washes the feet of people, even those people who would betray him. Jesus Christ who loves the left out and the left behinds and tells them, I love you just as you are, not as you should be. Christ who has all the time in the world for those who are willing to say, I need some help here, but who struggles with those who say, I don't need you, I don't need your help, you're just a teacher to me. If you're here this morning maybe here for the millionth time, maybe in church for the first time, and you'd like to meet with Jesus Christ, then perhaps you can. Perhaps you can cup your hands later in the service and take a small piece of wafer, a piece of bread that Jesus said, this is my body. And as you eat that piece of bread, you are both saying, Jesus, I need you, and you're receiving the one who saves you. May that be your focus in life and my focus in life. Amen.